in your Bibles, go to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to go to verse 27. It's three days until Valentine's Day. Whatever your feelings on Valentine's Day, however you treat it, it's my, one of my favorite holidays of the year because it is a day that we think about love. It's a day that we think about putting other people ahead of ourselves. Because how many of us what love is? Love is not selfish. Love does not boast. Love does not glory in itself. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. The whole 1 Corinthians 13 chapter, the true love and agape love of God that is unconditional. When you think about love, you should think about somebody else. In the same way, we want to make sure that we, we do that here. And by the way, it is 11-11. So Jessica, I love you. She's up there running the slides for me. It's one of our things at 11-11. We always tell each other we love each other. So we notice that it's 11-11 and we remember to do that. So speaking of love, that's one way we show we love each other. But three days from now, Valentine's Day, focusing on love and what love is. And I want to tell you this morning, you are loved by the Lord. The God who made all things spent time on you. The God who created all things in heaven and earth and under the earth. He delicately knit you together and made you the person that he wanted you to be because he loves you. You and I are not accidents. You and I are not mistakes. You and I are, are not here by coincidence or chance or evolution. We were created with a creator who had us in mind and put us together for a purpose, on purpose and with purpose. That tells me I am loved by God. You are loved this morning by God. So let's get to the message today. We've been in the book of Matthew. We were in chapter 6 for a while. Now we backed up and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. All of these messages are coming from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where basically he talks about kingdom living. And if you live in the kingdom of God and live by the principles of the kingdom of God, you will truly live the best life ever. And remember, when I say the word best, I mean we're choosing the best thing for us. We're choosing God's best for us. We can have great things in this life. We can upgrade our phones and we can upgrade our cars. We can upgrade our houses. We can upgrade our wardrobe. And all there's nothing wrong with doing any of those things. But when it comes to truly living the best life, you do not have to have the newest iPhone or the newest house or the newest car or the newest set of clothes to have the best life. You can have the best life by living the life God ordained and created for you to live. For when you choose Jesus, you choose the best thing. Amen? So in the same way this morning, let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 27, and let's find out what God wants us to build on the rock today. Matthew 5, 27, Jesus said, You have heard it said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I'm going to also add this to it. Anyone who looks at a man with lustful intent, has already committed adultery in her heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, then cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And we're going to stop right there. This morning I want to talk to you about having the best 
marriage ever. The best marriage ever. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that your word never returns void, but it accomplishes that for which you sent it. We thank you, God, that you said heaven and earth may pass away, but not a detail of your word will ever pass away. We thank you, God, that your word is strong, that your word is stable, that we can build our lives on your word, and we will not be shaken. So, Lord, right now, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. You are my rock. You are my redeemer. In you, I place my trust this morning. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. And if you agree with me, what do you say? Amen and amen. The best marriage ever. So we've been talking about the best budget ever, having the best family ever, having the, the, having the best diet ever back in the beginning. We talked about fasting. And now we're moving into Valentine's week, and we're talking about having the best marriage ever. And also, real quick, I want to remind you this come, that tonight over at our Stone Street campus is our unquenchable prayer night. It's going to be a huge prayer service. And Pastor Matt, I've seen the outline for tonight. Please do not miss tonight. It is going to be an awesome time in the presence of God. I encourage all of you, please come and join us at 5 o'clock over at the main campus for tonight's prayer service. But when I think about this and when I read this and when I think about Valentine's week, of course, one of the first places I go is I think about my own marriage with my beautiful wife, Jessica. And I'm going to show you the picture that is probably one of our favorite, one of my favorite pictures of our wedding day. Ain't she beautiful? I know exactly what all of you are thinking right now. How in the world did he get her? And to this day, I'll tell you, there's two, there's two mysteries in this life. God, and how did I get her? That's the other question. I have no answer for you, and I cannot counsel you on that answer. But I will tell you this. That day, my life radically changed. Because that day, a promise that God had made me from my youth came true. That God surely had someone in mind for me. And that God wanted me to have a life with her and build a life with her. But build that life on Him and not on each other. Some of you here this morning, you may have at one time been married and maybe your spouse has gone on to be with the Lord. Or gone on into eternity. Or maybe you this morning at one time you were married and maybe you've entered in through divorce and have dealt with consequences of that and have faced a lot of heartache and pain. And I completely understand and I, I completely sympathize with that. But regardless of where you stand on marriage or, where, or what marriage means to you, the bottom line is, and I have to say this right up front, God created marriage. And God created marriage for one man and for one woman. And God created marriage for us to, sh to feel what it's like to have a relationship with someone on the deepest intimate level. And the only relationship that is second only to the deeper relationship we can have with Almighty God is a marriage relationship on this earth. That's why God created marriage, was to illustrate the closest thing we can see on this earth to what a relationship with Him looks like. To where two people know each other so intimately and so deeply. And I'm not talking physically. That's a byproduct of the real intimacy, which is spirits connecting and souls connecting. How many of you know there are people that fall in love without any physical contact? Because the physical contact comes and goes. 
But the relationship has to be built on something deeper than that. If the relationship is only built on physical attraction and physical touch, then the moment that person is no longer in your life, your relationship is on the rocks. And if that was the case, then if people break up or if marriages end, then all of a sudden there should be little to no emotional reaction because it was never built on that. But if your relationship is, gone, is built on deepness, is built on intimacy, is built on knowing someone, and when I hear the word intimacy, I think of something T.D. Jakes said, which is intimacy is into me see. When I have intimacy with someone, I'm opening myself up to let them see the real me. I'm opening myself up to let them see my intentions, my desires, my thoughts, my heart, everything that makes me tick, everything I put in their hands ways to hurt me. I put in their hands ways to break me. I become vulnerable to them. We have an intimate relationship. And I say all that to say this. While this morning I am talking about marriage between one man and one woman, and I am talking about building a healthy relationship, and if you want to have a healthy marriage in the future... Maybe some of you here this morning are dating in a relationship or engaged in a relationship. Or maybe you're watching online, you're in a dating relationship or you recently become engaged. Before you enter into that marriage covenant, which is the strongest covenant on this earth, second only to the covenant of God. When you enter into that marriage covenant, you have to know that what you're building on is more than just physical attraction. And you have to know that what you're building on is more than just we like the same kinds of food. And you have to know that what you're building on is more than we have the same taste in music or books. You have to know that what you're building on is something that will last and will not fail you. Amen? And that's why we cannot build it on each other. I cannot build my marriage relationship on my wife. Because my wife, Jessica, although all the signs point to it's not true, she's not perfect. There was a joke there. All the signs say she is, but she's not. And neither am I. So she cannot build her marriage relationship on me because eventually we will fail each other. Eventually we will have to say those dreaded two words, I'm sorry. And I will have to hear those dreaded three words, I told you so. <laughs> Four words. But regardless of where we stand, we cannot build marriage on anything that fails. We cannot build, as we talked about in the very first week, having the best plan, the blueprint of a life, having the blueprint of the best plan ever. You have to build your life, your house on rock so it cannot be shaken. How much more in this culture are we seeing 50% of marriages crumble and end in divorce? May I, may I propose a theory to you? The reason they fail and enter into divorce or fail and enter into turmoil is because when you look at their foundation, you don't find rock. You might find sand. But if you build your marriage on the rock and you reaffirm your marriage on the rock, I promise you and testify to you this morning, you will not fail because the rock cannot fail. But even more than a, than a marriage between a man and a woman, 
The Bible calls us, those who believe, those who have Jesus as our Lord and Savior, those that have given our hearts to the Lord, those that, have, that are striving daily to live for Him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength, those of us that call on the name of Jesus, those of us that are the church, Scripture calls us the bride of Christ. So when I get to these verses in a minute, I want you to not only read them as if a relationship with a, with a man or a woman, I want you to read them as a relationship between the bride and the bridegroom. Because how many know at the end of the day, when my bridegroom comes back for his, for his church, he is not coming back for a church that has built her life on sand. He is coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle that has built her life on the rock. And when he comes back, he doesn't want her looking for anybody else, for any other eyes, for any other sign, for any other way of approval, for any other way of gratification. He wants to come back, pierce through those clouds, split the sky open, and she's gazing for her bridegroom. Happy Valentine's Day. And I cannot wait, church, for that day. The Bible says we should anxiously await his coming. Always looking to the east, looking to the sky. And can I tell you, church, with boldness and with confidence, we've never been closer than we are right now. We've never been closer. Well, Pastor David, it's obvious. It's not yesterday, it's today. Of course we're closer to the rapture than we've ever been. But I'm not just talking about that. The signs are there. The seasons are there. It is not far off. I, I'm not going to prophesy this, but I have a very, very, very strong suspicion and a strong feeling by what I'm seeing in our world. He's not far away. He's not far away. So even more so, when He comes, I want to make sure my relationship with Him is rock solid. Amen? Amen. Let's go back into the scripture. First thing I want to share with you this morning is when you look at, when you want to have the best marriage ever, first of all, Jesus talks about here, we need to have the best intentions. If you're taking notes in the back of your bulletin, that's the first one. We need to have the best intentions. For Jesus said here in Matthew 5, verse 27, you've heard it said, that you, may, that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And once again, anyone who looks at a man with lustful intent has already committed adultery. How many know that women struggle with this just as much as men do? When we talk about pornography and we talk about abusing the, the relationship between a man and a woman or skewing it or perverting it, it's not just men who struggle with that. Women struggle with it just as much and sometimes even more than men do because our hearts are craving something that only God can give us. Our bodies are craving something that God designed to be kept pure for the marriage bed. We are craving something that can only be fulfilled to its fullest 
when we do it inside the the parameters and inside the order of what God set up in His Word. Marriage. One man, one woman, no one else. Pure in the moment. Pure forever. Not to say God can't redeem mistakes, because He does. Not to say God can't forgive mistakes, because He does. But I want to tell all of you this morning, all of you watching online right now, and I say this with boldness as the pastor of this campus, marriage is one man and one woman, and sex is reserved between that one man and one woman after they say to each other, I take you to be my husband, to be my wife, until death do us part before the eyes of God. When that covenant is made, that is when the physical relationship begins, because it's more important that we have a spiritual foundation before we have a physical one. Are you with me today? Pastor David, why are you talking about this kind of stuff? Because we need to. If I don't talk about it in the church, they're going to hear about it in the locker room. If I don't talk about it in the church, they're going to hear about it in the cubicles. If I don't talk about it in the church, they're going to hear about it on the buses. It scares me how much our kids already know. And therefore, I make sure that when those questions come up or when I hear certain things, my wife and I have determined we're not going to go, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a taboo thing. We don't talk about that. No, we will talk about that because it's not dirty. God made it and God called it good. But it's good and fulfilling and purpose for one place between a man and a woman inside of a holy covenant before the eyes of God. And we will teach that from this pulpit in our small groups, to our children, to our teenagers, because we are held accountable by God for how we share His Word and talk about His love. Amen? Amen. But if you have intention in your heart of false, of false pretenses, let me put it this way. Here's something my youth pastor taught me that really stuck with me. Looking at someone is not a sin. It's when you look again. Noticing someone's handsome or someone's beautiful is not a sin. It's that second look. And what your mind does on that second look. That's where the intent comes in. There's nothing wrong with looking upon beauty that God has made or looking upon wonder that God has made. It's when you take that beauty and take that wonder and take that handsomeness and then put it in your mind and twist it. That's where the sin comes in. That's what Jesus meant when he said, with a lustful intent. When you gaze upon someone for something that you are not supposed to have. When you gaze upon them with something that is reserved only for the marriage bed. When you do that, you've already crossed the line, Jesus said. Because what are you doing? You're putting something else in a priority above your relationship with God. Because your relationship with God dictates what, what the marriage is supposed to be. And what your, what your physical feelings are supposed to be. Well, Pastor David, you don't understand. I just feel these things. I have hormones. I have, I have, I have thoughts. I have, yeah, and you know what the Bible says? We take every thought captive to the knowledge of God. The Spirit was designed to be in charge. The soul serves the Spirit. And then the body becomes the slave. 
Let me say that again. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit that God placed inside of you from birth. God made you to be a spiritual creation. You are the only creation walking this planet that has a spirit. Animals do not have a spirit. Trees do not have a spirit. Water does not have a spirit. I don't care what the New Age movement says. The only creation walking this planet that will live forever according to the Word of God is humanity. We have spirits. God designed for the spirit inside of us to be made brand new and come alive by the power of the Holy Spirit on the day we receive Christ. And then on that day when we receive Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and brings us to life and makes us a new creation to where the old things have passed away and all things now become new. When that happens, all of a sudden that is supposed to be the strongest part of us. The loudest voice, the most resilient, where we build up, where we pull our hope from, where we pull our trust from, where we pull our answers from, where we pull our dependence from, where we pull our endurance from. And then your soul, which is your mind and your will or your choosing and your emotions. If your spirit's in charge, the spirit says to the emotions, why are you fearing? The Bible says perfect love has cast out all fear. And 365 times in the Bible, the Lord said, do not be afraid. So why are you fearing right now? And the emotions will say, I just don't like that person. I just can't stand it. The spirit will then should rise up and say, no, no, be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. That's your brother. That's your sister. Lead them to God and you pray for them. And you don't harbor anger in your heart, which could turn to bitterness. And if you feel lustful emotion begin to rise up inside of you, the spirit should then rise up and say, hey, soul, back down. You are not governed by what you see. You don't walk by sight. You walk by faith. And your faith is in God. And that, that's a brother or that's a sister. That's a creation of God. And would you want someone looking at you inappropriately? But therefore, if you don't, then put your eyes on the one who's the author and the finisher of your faith and trust him to meet those needs inside of you. Are you hearing me this morning? That's how we're supposed to live. And then when that happens, and our, when our emotions, our will, and our thoughts become captive to our spirit, the body just follows suit. So then what should happen? If I begin to feel inappropriately, my spirit should rise up and say, don't do that. Turn your face and my face should turn. And immediately I take that thought captive and say, no, I will not put this before my eyes and I will not let this replay in my mind. I choose to be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I can know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Are you with me today? I hope this is practical teaching for you. And this doesn't just apply to lustful thoughts. This applies to greed. This applies to anger. This applies to hopelessness. This applies to fear. This applies to any area of your life where the voices become so loud and you just need to go, wait a second, that's not my God. I won't listen to that because I know who he is and I know what he's spoken over me. Well, Pastor David, I don't know what he's spoken over me. Read his word. It's all in the book. Over and over, you're the head, not the tail. You're more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. You had victory when he said you had victory. You have been raised with Christ. I've been crucified with him, and now I don't even live. He lives in me. Over and over, quote the scripture. What happened when Jesus was tempted? Satan, it is written. 
I know what the word says, therefore I know who I am. Are you with me today? So intentions. We must have clear, firm intentions when it comes to our, when it comes to our fellow man. And put them in proper perspective. That's a, that's a creation of God. That's a creation of God. That's a son or daughter of God. Even if they don't acknowledge Him as Father, God created them for purpose and destiny. It's not my place to twist how they should be viewed. That's the right intention. We don't look upon people with wrong intention. But let again, let me come back to you and say this again. We are the bride of Christ. So as the bride of Christ, we should not take a second look at the things of this world either. We should not take a second look to anything in this life that draws our gaze or draws our attention and lust after the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We should not find ourselves being attracted and wanting things and wanting to manipulate things and wanting to do things with the things of this world. When this world didn't die for me, my Jesus did. So Jesus is saying here, my bride, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. The lust of this world will not fulfill you. Pastor David, why in the world are you talking about this stuff? Because church, I've been there. I've chased fleetless passions. I've chased the, the, the accolades. I've chased recognition. I've chased position. I've chased the vices. And I found them all the same. Empty. They did not fulfill that place in my life. Only Jesus does. Only Jesus does. So I have to have the best intentions. When I look upon someone or something in this life, I have to look at it the way Jesus looks at it. Because Jesus has always had the best intentions. Number two. We must then immediately, like I was trying to get to, we must then have the best perspective. The intention begins. But once you take that intention captive, now it changes your perspective. If you do not take that intention captive, I promise you, it will change your perspective. Your perspective follows your intention. Somebody say that. My perspective follows my intention. Every time, every time, how you intend to look at someone affects how you do look at them. And how we intend to look at the things of this world affects how we look at the things of this world. The intention is the most important thing. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. It's what comes out of the man that makes him unclean. The heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? That's why we have to pray every day, Lord, give me your heart. Teach me your way, O oh Lord. Help me walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And when we do make mistakes, like David prayed in Psalm 51, Lord, create in me 
a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Do not take away the joy of my salvation, but give me a willing spirit to sustain me. We have to have the right intent so that we can then have the best perspective. I do not want anybody looking at me with the wrong perspective. I want them only looking at me with His. I don't want anybody looking at any of you with the wrong perspective. I want all of you to be looked at the way He looks at you. I don't want any of us to look at any of the people around this world that we encounter every day with the wrong perspective. I want all of us to look at the hurting, the broken, the lost, the pain, the, the wonder, the, 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 the needy, the, bro the brokenness, the addicted, the fallen, the backslidden, the prodigals. I don't want them to, I don't want to look at them with wrong intentions, therefore a wrong perspective. I want to look at them with the eyes of God. That's a love, that's a broken person that needs me. That's a love person that needs me I came gave my life for that person are you hearing me today where's the perspective we have to look at others the way Jesus does Lord give me your eyes that I may see take the veil off take the sunglasses off and let me see that person as not a nuisance let me see that person as not annoying let me see that person as not a distraction. Let me see that person as not someone who just is a pain in my side. Let me not see that person as someone who's done me wrong. Let me not see that person as someone who's being inappropriate with me. Let me not see that person as my enemy. Because church, we don't wrestle flesh and blood. We wrestle principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. They're not the enemy. You're not my enemy. I'm not your enemy. And the only way we can remember that and live that way is to see things like Jesus sees them. Are you with me today? Have the best perspective. And finally, number three. We must have the best endurance. We have to have the best endurance. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5, verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, tear it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body goes into hell. We have to endure. We have to do what it takes to endure. When I, when I see the word endurance, I automatically think about a marathon runner. All the marathon runners start at the starting line. But there's the ones that choose to make it all the way to the end. During a marathon, you all know this, some people don't finish. They back away or they fade away. I didn't sign up for this much running. Oh, by the, by the time I get to mile 20, ooh boy, that's 20 more miles than I thought we were doing today. It's a marathon. Why'd you sign up? But bottom line is this. Those who endure cross the finish line. Those who endure make it. And Jesus is saying here, whatever's causing you to stumble or whatever's keeping you from running your best race, cut it off. You know how Olympic runners train? They put weights on their ankles. 
so that when they run, their legs are heavier. And they build up their leg strength, and they build up their stride strength, and they build up their endurance, and they build up their, their tension, and they build up their stride, and they build up their, their, their agility. And then when it's time to race, the weights come off, and they're faster, and they're stronger, and their strides are bigger, and they're able to do more than they could before they were training. And this is what Paul spent when he wrote the book, when he, when he was writing, or the book, or the, excuse me, I, I think Paul wrote it. But, there's, but this is what the author of Hebrews said when he said, let's throw off the weights that easily beset us and press on to the prize of Christ Jesus. Paul was writing in Timothy, when he said to Timothy, I fought the good fight, I've finished my race, I've kept my faith, I've endured. Jesus said it this way, those who endure to the end, they'll be saved. How's your endurance level today? How's your endurance level today? How's your stamina, spiritually speaking? Are you in it for the long haul? Or are you going to run the marathon and when you pass that first donut cart, you stop? Or when, the, or when, you're, when that, that cramp kicks in in your lower leg and that Charlie horse rears up. Or that wall that every marathon runner talks about. Somewhere around mile 18, 19, 20, that wall comes in. And I don't think I can go anymore. My legs hurt. My breath hurts. My lungs hurt. My heart's pounding in my chest. I don't know if I can keep going. And you know what they do? They press through, they jump through, they break through, and all of a sudden, what happens? They get their next wind, and they can keep going. The same is true with life. The same is true with our relationships. Church, let me tell you something. Marriage is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Can I get any men, can I get any men and women in this room that will testify to that? If marriage was a sprint, then when the honeymoon's over, we're done. It's not a sprint. You know, the, you know the hardest part of marriage is for most couples? Two places. In the first few years, when they begin to realize they're in this for the long haul. Or when the seasons change and the kids leave and they're left with each other. That's the two number top, that's the two top times divorce happens in a marriage. Right up front, when they realize, whoa, do I really want to commit to this forever? And then after the kids leave, and we realize, it's back to just you and me, do we want to stay together? Those are the two top times divorce happens in a marriage. That's why when you hear these couples that have been married 20, 25 years get divorced, you're like, they couldn't keep going? They couldn't endure? Because Why? Somewhere, even if they started out right, their marriage became about the kids and not about the rock. Their marriage became about their, their careers and not about the rock. Their marriage became about whatever fill in the blank they built it on, and they didn't build it on Jesus. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Jesus, me, my wife. The closer we get to him, the closer we get to each other. It has to be built on him. The three-braided cord is not easily broken. It has to be built on him. Aubrey, would you come?
Those who endure to the end. We have to build up our endurance. We have to build up our stamina spiritually. And this morning I want to instruct you and say to you, what are some things that might be causing your marriage to stumble? Pastor David, I just hate it when she does this. Well, let me ask you something. Do you have any reason she's doing that? Well, Pastor David, he just keeps doing this and doing this and doing this. Okay. Since when does what someone else does govern what you do? It doesn't. May I, may I tell you something this morning? God radically set me free when I learned this revelation that I am not responsible for what you do. I am responsible for how I react to what you do. God will not judge me in heaven on the judgment day for the works of my life and go, okay, she did this. So you know what? Because she did this, you're punished. He's not going to do that. He's going to look at me and go, she did this. What did you do? How did you react? What did you say? Where did your heart go? Where did your thoughts go? What actions came out of you? What words came out of you? That is what I hold you accountable for. You know how I know that? If Jesus had been judged by what they did to him, the cross would be null and void. But he wasn't. Like a lamb, he did not open his mouth. His heart was pure. He looked on his tormentors and those punishing him and whipping him and spitting on him and plucking his beard and nailing him to the cross and mocking him on the cross. And he looked upon them and said, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they do. That's why he was able to be the sacrifice because his intention and his perspective was pure. And he endured on that cross until finally, through the breaking, and don't you know, the entire time he was hanging there, the enemy was screaming at him, give up. Call the angels in. Get them off the cross. Throw in the towel. Go on home. He did it before, before the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was struggling. Lord, is there another way? Is there another way? I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But not my will. Your will be done. He had the endurance. And that's why he could say with confidence, it's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Would you stand with me today? We are his bride, church. He gave his life for us. Maybe you're here this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not even part of the bride yet and you want to be. Maybe you're watching online right now and you're like, Pastor David, wow, this marriage, this relationship, this, 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 what God has created, not only for the physical world, but for the eternal world, this relationship as the bride of Christ. I want that. I want to be a part of that. I want to be part of the church. I want to be part of the bride to have that bridegroom in my life.
I want to have the one who won't fail me. I want to have the one I can build my life on. I want to have the one who will give me help in my thoughts, who will give me help in my words, who will give me help in my heart, who will help me endure through this thing called life. I want that in my life. That's you this morning in this room, all over this room. If you want to be part of the church, if you want, and I don't mean part of Refuge West, I mean a four-wall physical location, I mean part of the family of God, part of the bride of Christ, entering into the other half of this relationship. If you want to be a part of that this morning, in this room, just lift up your hand right now. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's looking around. I want to be family. I want to be part of the bride. I want this Jesus in my life. That's you this morning. Just slip up your hand all over this room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would everyone pray this with me this morning? Let's just reaffirm our vows to him this morning. Renew our vows to Jesus this morning. Lord Jesus. I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. But you are. I need you in my life. I need you to make me new. I need you to change my heart and give me yours. I need you to change my mind and give me yours. I need you to save me and be my Lord and be my King. And I enter this relationship for the long haul. Help me endure. Help me to keep my eyes on you. Help me to keep my intentions pure. Help me to keep my perspective pure. Help me to endure to the end so I can be saved. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross for forgiving my sins. Now lead me every day. I submit to you. From this day forward, you are my Lord. You are my King. And I live my life for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, I bless every person here today. I bless every married couple. I bless every dating couple, every engaged couple, everybody watching online who's married, engaged, or dating. And I pray, God, right here and right now that their relationship would be pure before you. That, Lord, everything that is said and everything that is done would be done according to your word. And, Lord, their intentions and their perspective and their endurance level would be matched by your love. That, God, you would call them to a deeper place of intimacy with you. That God, as a husband, as a wife, you would draw them close to you so they can truly experience what you have for them with each other. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that we as a church, part of the bride and the body of Christ, that Lord, when we enter this world every day, we would have the right heart and the right intentions. Therefore, we have the right perspective when it comes to other people and when it comes to the things of this world. We would look upon these things like you do, Jesus. 
And that, God, you would give us endurance to weather the storms, weather the pain, weather the disappointments, weather the hurts, weather the brokenness, weather everything we may encounter in this life. We can make it. We will not be shaken because we have built this marriage on the rock. I thank you, God, for everyone here and everybody watching online.